says in the gospel today, he says, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. It points to two things, two realities. The first is that Jesus resolutely turning his face to Jerusalem is pointing out the fact that he knows and he's committed to the fact that he has here no lasting home. This earth, this life, is not the final resting place. It is not the end of the mission. It is not the fulfillment of his existence. Indicating to us the same as well. This earth, this life, is not our final resting place. It is not our ultimate home. So while the foxes and the birds, the natural creatures and the natural elements of the universe are at home here, those who are spiritual beings, like us, this is not our ultimate home. The second thing that it indicates is that the Son of Man who comes to announce, to personify, to bring the truth, will not find acceptance in this earth, in this world. Not complete acceptance. Partial, on our terms. Let's negotiate about this. Can't we work out an agreement? But when he entered into a Samaritan village to prepare for his reception there, they would not welcome him because the destination of his journey was Jerusalem. The world will not recognize, will not accept the full truth of who Christ is and what the truth demands. And so the Son of Man who came into the world to bring the light is rejected. And as we hear in John's Gospel at the beginning, the light entered the world, but man loved the darkness. And so his own did not receive him. This made me think of concrete in another way. I recently read, because I enjoy reading these types of things, that they just now figured out how the Romans made concrete and why their concrete lasts several thousand years while ours only lasts about 50 to 100 before it starts to break down. So in the Roman towns on the seacoast, they poured concrete into the water to make their footers and their foundations for their harbors and their buildings. It's still there, even after being in the water all these centuries. We pour concrete downtown, a stadium, a garage, or anywhere else, or on the road, and in five years, it's falling apart. There were a couple elements that the Romans used to make this happen, and the article kind of detailed this, but what it highlighted for me was the fact that it is possible for society to forget. It is possible to lose wisdom, to lose insight or knowledge that was once held. With the collapse of the Roman Empire, civilization lost the knowledge of how to make rehydrated lime into concrete. And so there was no dome 
as large as that on the Pantheon until the pouring of the Superdome in Detroit. A lapse of 1,800 years because they lost the knowledge. It's also possible to lose the insight, the wisdom, and the knowledge, not just in technical matters, but within a society itself. And to lose the understanding of what it means to be human, of who God is and what God has communicated, of what marriage means. It is possible to lose that in a civilization, the knowledge and wisdom of those realities. This past week, of course, we've seen how that can play out. And this will continue. And I'm not going to go too far into this except to say that as Catholic Christians, we base what we know to be marriage not simply on the consensus of the society in which that marriage takes place, but on the fact that God himself has come into the world to communicate the truth of who God is and who the human person is and the right relationships that lead toward union with God. We hear in our second reading today that Paul says, live by the Spirit and you will certainly not gratify the desire of the flesh. He posts these two things, desire and the spirit. And to be perfectly clear about what is at stake here, what is going on, it is not about the equality of persons that is at issue within this debate about marriage. It is actually that we live in a society in which it is about the equality of desires. If you pay close attention to how this has played out over the last number of decades, the fact is, what the argument really comes down to is, if you judge my desire, you judge me. If you judge the things I like, or the things to which I'm attracted, you are actually judging me as a person. And this has been developing in our culture for a number of years now. And it has now come to the point where if you deny me the right to pursue that desire, you deny me a fundamental human right to be self-determinant in my own sphere, in my own life. But this is based on the idea that all desires are equal. And that is simply not the case, and we know it's not. But that is where the argument lies. And so in the days and the months ahead, as this plays out in our culture, it will continually become more clear to us as Catholic Christians that we are prophets into the world, that we speak to a world which will not want to hear what we have to say and will not tolerate the voice that we bring to the public square. We should not be surprised by this. Jesus, when he set his face towards Jerusalem, knew that he would be rejected. Jesus warned his followers that they would follow in his footsteps and be rejected. 
And throughout the history of the church, it has been the case that those who profess the Catholic faith will be marginalized, if not shunned, and persecuted in society. Very soon, being a Catholic will not be a spectator sport, and it will not be for the faint of heart. And so as we gather here today, we ask the Lord to send his spirit and his strength into our hearts, into our church, so that we, like all the disciples who have followed him throughout the centuries, have the courage to profess and witness to the truth that the Lord has given us the privilege and the responsibility to live and witness to.